0: Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And our text is verses 13 through 23. As a matter of fact, just keep your Bibles open because I'm going to stay in this passage for the most part today. And uh, other passages I may quote, but nonetheless, what we're teaching from is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. And so I hope that you'll uh, stay right there and, and. Stay right along there with us. Again, I want to thank each of you for coming today. That uh, for roundup, not just our uh, our people, but our visitors. Thank you, and for those that uh, came uh, when someone invited you, they, they're blessed. It, it really is. Uh, sometimes it's fun to stand out in a parking lot and see a group of people looking for somebody to come. And some come in. They're disappointed. My friends didn't come. They said they were coming. Others will say, oh, all right, they did come, you know, and they're excited about that. We are excited about that, too. It It is a blessing that you would come and, and honor us this way by being in our services. All right, our text is Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to begin with verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their works ye shall know them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now shall we pray. Father, I'm just a messenger, so I'm delivering your message today. It was important enough for you to not only 2,000 years ago to give this very message to Matthew, To write each word exactly as you gave it. And then to preserve this word for us today. It must be important. And so Lord I pray that there's one in this auditorium today who does not know. They're not 100% sure that if they died today that heaven's their home. I pray that today would be the day they receive Christ as their Savior. I pray that there's one that has wandered far from you. I pray that today would be the day to come home. And whatever the spiritual need is, I pray you'd meet it in this service in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You know, I think it's great. We live stream our services, and and we have our radio station, and, and where our services are on the radio station as well. And I have a computer up in my office. You know, when I first started in ministry over 40 years ago, we didn't have those things. And so... Throughout the day, my computer is playing WTYG, and I hear sermons come over it. I was sitting in my office one day, and I heard a preacher preaching. And, And it was good what he was saying. Everything was good. But I said, man, that sounds very familiar. And it dawned on me. So I went to my bookcase there and pulled out a book by Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And that guy was preaching word for word what J. Vernon McGee had written. The guy speaking was not J. Vernon McGee, but he was speaking word for, he even used the illustrations as happening to himself that McGee gave in that book, you know, but you know what? What he said was actually good. What he said was actually pretty good, even though he didn't put it together himself. But now, having said that, preaching from someone's book is not bad if it is biblically right. Okay, and they got something there that God gave someone else and they want to share it with others? That's good, that's good. I remember reading of Spurgeon, how that great church grew over there. The people would go out on Monday from what they heard preached on Sunday and tell their fellow employees, neighbors and everybody else about what was going on. People come to find out what was going on there at their tabernacle. And that's how that grew. It just really grew in leaps and bounds that way. I'm saying all that to say this: this sermon that I'm preaching today is actually not my sermon. It is a sermon that Jesus preached in our text. He started in Matthew chapter five, and it goes all the way through chapter seven, verse twenty-eight. His sermon in its total uh, sermon. As a matter of fact, he preached it on a mountain, Galilee, and. Of course, those that have gone to Israel with me and will go with me again, we go there and it's a very interesting place to be because you realize that you can have 5,000 people there and your voice can carry. And so just the way it's set up and it's it's great. And so I, I really, really look forward to going back. But I'm saying that that is where the sermon was preached. It was Jesus' message. So, I want to just take a portion of this message, verses 13 through 23, and go over what Jesus said to us. I want to go over what Jesus' sermon was. The first thing I want you to see are the walls and a way in verses 13 and 14. Verse 13, he said again, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, you say, well, what's this about a gate? Actually, it's talking about a shepherd leading sheep. In that day, they had sheepfolds, and so at the nighttime, to protect them from the wolves and things of that nature, it would have nice good walls going around it, but it only had one little entrance into it. It was a little doorway, just enough for a man and maybe... Uh, The lamb behind them to go through. And so that's the way they would enter in. They'd just come in through that one door, uh, one lamb at a time, but hearing the shepherd's voice. And they would follow the voice and go in. Now, there were other shepherds there, but they didn't listen to the other shepherds. There was only one voice they could hear. And that's the voice they'd follow. You know, the way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has given us His voice, that is His words, in this book. That is the way to heaven. That's the shepherd to follow. That's the one that you find out uh, the difference between eternal life. In John chapter 10 and verse 14, Jesus said that He was the good shepherd that giveth His life for the sheep. Further, in John chapter 10, uh, excuse me, in John chapter, uh, well, yes, John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, He says, my sheep. Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That's his promise. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. Then he adds, I and my Father are one. Jesus was God come to flesh. The sheep knew the shepherd's voice. He did not drive them. He didn't stand behind them and trying to push them in a direction. Instead, he talked, and as he would talk, they had followed in to their place of safety. They followed him. All he needed to do was talk to them. Yes, it was a narrow gate, but it was the only way to their safety. So they had to follow the leading of the shepherd to be safe from the wolves, or what other uh, animals may be out there that may try to take one, a, a bear or a lion, but they had to follow the voice of the good shepherd. Once they were inside the gate, they were secure. But they had to be inside the gate to be secure. They would go in before nighttime. And I like that because the world sin is pictured as the darkness. Football coaches have told their players, "Nothing good happens after 11 o'clock at night, be home." And so you see that going on in today's world. And they were following his voice. Now, what might happen is they're following there. They're hearing everybody, all the sheep, everybody is going together. And perhaps there's a green field they see. Maybe it looks like there's another lamb sitting there eating of the green pasture. And so uh, they would be back in the line and they'd say, oh, you know what, uh, I don't want to follow that in. I just want to go over there. They have it right now. Why should I go in there when that big green stuff is right there for me right now? What they did not know was what was hiding there to destroy them. And so, again, they went, go away from the voice. You go away from the word of God, there's no other way of Salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I can identify with sheep because sheep are dumb. Okay. They see the green, but they don't know. That is why they need a shepherd. That's why we're told in 1 Peter 1, 14, as obedient children, not fastening yourselves according to the former, lust in your ignorance. In other words, don't try to do both. The Lord says, if uh, you try to be lukewarm, be both, then he says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I don't want anything to do with you. You're with one or the other. You don't have both. You don't walk according to the lust. You know, that sheep, his mouth would begin to water. She'd see that green over there. And he would desire. That's what the word lust means. He'd begin to desire that. But that was not the will of the shepherd. So the sheep would go astray. And it may end up in costing him his life. You see, the sheep were ignorant of Satan's devices. And the same is true in the salvation of a soul. When you were born, every one of us, no one excluded. Everyone in this auditorium, everyone under the sound of my voice today, no one excluded. Every one of us were born sinners headed to hell separated from God with the destiny of an eternity in a lake of fire, and we needed a Savior. Romans five twelve says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men. Why? For all have sinned. In First Corinthians 5, and verse tw- uh, uh, chapter 15, verse 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, shall all be made alive. Yes, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. We have a good shepherd. He gave his life for the sheep when he died on the cross. The Bible tells us, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Not just eternal life. Abundant eternal life. He says, I am the good shepherd. I, I, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. See, that's why our text is using the imagery of sheep in this sermon that Jesus is preaching. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we're told, There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Again, in John 14:6, Jesus saith. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. You say, well, isn't that pretty narrow? That's what we read. The way is narrow. It's only through Christ. Look, I'm happy to have as many people as we can have here at Central Baptist Church, but Central Baptist Church is not your way to heaven, Jesus Christ is. There's no religion that's your way to heaven, only Jesus Christ and his word. It's not a religion, it is a relationship with Jesus Christ where He is the head, and we are submitted unto Him, but He's a loving head. He is a loving head. So forgiving and so kind. Yes, Jesus is the only way to be safe for all eternity, saved from the destruction of hell the way that those sheep were saved from those wolves and all that would destroy them was to follow the shepherd through the gate. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. By receiving Him as our Lord and Savior, we follow through that gate. He says in in John chapter 1, verse 12, He says it very clearly for us. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood. You're not born a Christian. You may think you were, but you're not born a Christian. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Man, I'm just going to work hard and do it. Nor of the will of man. Well, we're going to devise something, a good plan for you to follow. And if you'll follow this plan, you're all right. This is no but of God. He designed the way of salvation for each of us. And that's only one way. Yes, he is the wall. He is the way. But next, see, the wolves are wily. Now, that word wily means crafty, cunning, and deceptive. We see this in verses 15 through 19. Verse 15, let's look at that. He says, Beware of the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You see, he likens false prophets, that is, men who wear the robes of pastor, evangelist, religious leader of some kind, maybe a teacher, and he likens them to wolves. ...when they take you away from the Word of God. A ravening wolf is one who's very hungry. That old serpent, Satan, the devil... ...as a roaring lion goes about seeking whom he may devour. He does not love you. He wants to encourage you to live in sin, to live in that life. Why? Because he finds God as his very eternal mortal enemy. And therefore, he knows the greatest pain that he can cause God is to get a sheep, instead of to turn to him, to follow him into that eternal lake of fire. Yes, the ravening wolf, he wants to devour you. He wants to make sure. So he uses the cares of this life to seek to bring destruction to your soul. As sheep are headed to a sheep hole and and hearing the shepherd's voice, a wolf is in sheep's clothing. And it's very deceptive as a religious leader. And takes them away from the straight gate. For Jesus said again that only He is the way to eternal life. Yes, if you're not careful, You face eternal destruction. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 through 15, we read this, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great things if his ministers are also transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now he's telling us, you know them by their works. It's opposite of the narrow way. Instead, it's a wide way, and it makes everything all right as far as, hey, don't worry about that. Go ahead and get drunk. Go ahead and live in adultery. Go ahead and live that way. It's all right. You don't have anything to worry about. But the good shepherd's voice is the one you need to hear. And when they take you away from a different message, don't ever trust that church or that preacher. Notice these points involving the false prophets whom God views as wolves uh, in verse 15 that are in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravening wolves. Verse 16 says, "Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Fruit is what the tree produces. It will go into that tree uh, that's in that tree, that life that's in the tree that produces the fruit. Grapes don't grow out of Uh, figs or out of thorns should I say and figs don't grow out of thistles so too a man cannot exalt the flesh he cannot exalt sin he cannot exalt unrighteousness and produce healthy fruit he cannot lead sinners to repent When he's preaching, there's no need. In verse 17, he says, Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree produces that which is good and healthy. So what comes from God will always be holy. It'll always be moral. It'll always be righteous because it comes from God. The old prodigal son, he thought, you know what? I can do all right. I can just take what my father has provided and I can go out and live it up. And he took what his father provided and his life ended up empty. And you can corrupt the things of God that he made in creating this heaven and earth. And you can take those things that are corrupted. But understand, They lead unto death. And so in verse 18 he says, A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. A good tree does not have canker. An evil tree is filled with canker. And although the fruit may look good, it's therefore fruit that is poisonous and deceptive. It's not good fruit. I don't know about you. I've I've done that before. I saw, hey, that apple looks pretty good. Take one bite into it and yuck. Okay. The outside looked good. A lot of people look religious, but Jesus is not in their heart. He's not their God. So in verse 19, he says, every tree that bringeth forth good fruit is every... Tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. The life of an evil tree is cast into that eternal lake. Revelation twenty, fourteen and fifteen says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, that's pretty plain language. But that doesn't come from me, that comes from God. Keep it in mind, the words of the Lord Jesus in Luke 13, verse 3 and verse 5. He says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That means you'd go to hell forever. In Acts 17, verse 30, he says that God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It's not my command, that's God's command. And he is the only way you're going to be saved. Jesus Christ is the wall and the way. Satan is the wolf and wily. But that leaves wisdom for you to make the right choice. Look at verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. God gives you a choice, He doesn't force you to get saved. He gives you a choice. You make the decision. Reject it, you are not wise. For you don't have a promise of another day. You can be wise or you can be foolish. Remember, people years ago. Now, I know society has changed things here. But I remember years ago in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and probably most of the 70s. Smoking cigarettes. Even the athletes on uh, television would we'll have a cigarette. I ran a touchdown because I smoked Marlboro. okay and 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 they would they would have the cigarettes they, they would just push that like big deal, you know and all that and preachers they used to laugh at preachers, man, the preachers put down this smoking they they say it 's sinful and all that other stuff, and they 're corrupting their bodies, and your body 's the temple of the holy spirit, and you shouldn 't corrupt your body that way. then scientists got in so. People wouldn't believe the Bible, decide they'd believe science. Isn't that ridiculous? But nonetheless, you'd have a guy there, he was smoking. He'd cough for five minutes straight, and then say, That won't harm you, it won't cost you cancer. And ten years later, when they were dead, they laid in the, coffin, in the coffin for three days coughing. I'm not knowledgeable about horticulture, but I can see a tree and tell you whether it's an apple tree or an orange tree. You ought to be able to see if something is identified with God or if it's identified with the world. On the other hand, you think of that guy going to a doctor, and the doctor telling him, hey, it's all right, go ahead and smoke, it won't hurt you. Or that farmer saying, no, it's not an apple tree, it's really a grape tree. A grape tree? And there are people that would probably believe that. But you know what's more ridiculous to me? What's ridiculous to me of what people will believe is some 300 pound man standing in skinny jeans with an open shirt and a smoke machine and rock music going and giving you a positive, feel good psychological sermon, short of the Bible. That's not the fruit tree that you need to go to heaven. That is not the tree of life. <laughs> a fruit tree, but not what you want. So, what is God's will? What is God's will or your work? Some people think they got to work for it. So what is it? Okay, let's go on to verse 21. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So everybody that thinks they're going to heaven is not going to heaven, are they? there are two things that I see uh, in in this verse. And that's the first thing. Not everyone who thinks they're going to heaven are. That should be simple for each of us to see. But the second thing is it's only by doing the will of God. He says, but he that doeth the will of God. Okay, what is that will? I'll just give you two passages. 2 Peter chapter uh, uh, 3. Verse 9, where he says, there, there is no temptation take, excuse me, that's the wrong one, okay. He says there in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to be saved, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4 says, God who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. How come he said he would have? Because he wants people to get saved. Why then if he wants it, people don't? Because you're created in God's image and you have a free will. You go to hell, it'll be because... Your free will decided to go your own way. It won't be God's fault. It'll be your own fault. Look at verse 22. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Boy, now they're talking about all their religious works. And they think that should get them into heaven. Hey, I prophesied in thy name. And not only that, they were able to cast out devils. And then they said they did many wonderful works in his name. And you realize the Lord didn't argue it. <laughs> he didn't deny it. You, you see the TV evangelists on television. He hit somebody in the head, you know, and they fall back and all that. And he is supposedly healed and they will him out. But they think by their religious works, maybe they... They send food to some uh, hungry people, which is not a bad thing. Over uh, another country, they, they try to help send relief to another country. That's not bad. Look, we had this thing in the Bahamas. A lot of people, saved and unsaved, sent relief to the Bahamas. But sending relief to the Bahamas doesn't get you into heaven. You see, that's what I'm saying. And so, you can do all of that work. But you see, the problem is, is you're depending on the work to get you to heaven, and your work cannot get you to heaven. All of our righteousnesses, Isaiah 64, 6 says, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. See, with that righteousness that we think that we have, it's a self-righteousness. And again, the only way to salvation and eternal life is to admit, I'm a sinner, and I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to burn forever in eternity. Because I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus Christ loved me so much. He left heaven's glory. He came to this earth, took on a body that he might die for my sins. He loves me. And because he did, he took all my sin that day on the cross. Every sin I ever have or ever will commit, he was on him that day. And as the Father poured out his full wrath upon the human spirit of Jesus Christ, It came to the end of the six hours on the cross and he said, it is finished. By that he meant the entire price for our sin was paid. Jesus paid it all. Have you ever had somebody give you a gift? And you thought, I don't want it. There people do that. You know, say, no, why don't you keep it? I don't want it. Jesus offers a gift but you don't want it. You'll go to hell. You got to admit, because with that gift, receiving this gift of God as eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Lord, it, you're, you're admitting, I'm a sinner and I can't go to heaven. I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell. This is all based on the love of God, not my just deserts. These men thought they could work their way. In verse 23, says, Then will I profess unto them. All these religious people and everybody else. That tried their own way. He says I will profess unto them. I never knew you. Not not I used to. But I don't anymore. No. I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. The heart must believe in Christ's righteousness. As your acceptance before God. And to eternal life in heaven. Romans 10.10 says for with the heart. Man believeth unto righteousness. Not your righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Look, if we go down to the Tampa International Airport today, and, and we go in there, and, and, and there's a, the best jet in the entire world is sitting there. I mean, they have a video they show you, and it shows you that it is the number one jet, the safest jet they've ever made. And then they give you videos of it flying and of its flying time and everything else. How it just, It's great. It's, you feel like, man, that, that is 100% guaranteed. Then they bring in the pilot, and he is the pilot of that thing, and he is the number one pilot in the world. And they say, look at all this it, it can do. And, and boy, he can do all these things with a jet, but he, he's never had a problem. He's always landed the jet, delivered people safely. And so they show you that video, and, and, and you see all of that. And then they come up to you and just say, now look, is there any place you've ever wanted to go? And you may say, yes. I used to hear the Beverly Hillbillies talk about, uh, you no, know, not, not that. But um, you say, yeah, I would like to go to, to this special place. You know, maybe maybe it's in the Midwest. Maybe it's out in the far west maybe it's in the east but you've always wanted to go that place maybe it was another place in the world I wanted to go to England I wanted to go to Hawaii I wanted to go to wherever and you start laying those things out and then they say okay we'll fly you there freely all you have to do is get on Hey, you say wait a minute you're actually going to get off the ground, is that right? Yes. How far? Oh, just 35,000 feet. So you're going to be off the ground, and I'm going to be up there, and anything goes wrong, it's, it's over. Yeah. Nah, no, I'm not going to go, because you have a fear of flying. And so, wait a minute, did you see the video? Yeah. Well, do you believe that that jet can fly you there? Yeah, I really do. Do you believe that pilot's a good pilot and he's the best in the world? Do you believe all that documentation, everything's been... Yeah, I believe it, 100%. I believe it, seriously. I believe it. Don't think I don't, because I do believe that it can do that. Okay, then get on. No. Oh, why not? I'm not going to trust y'all with my life. See, that's the difference between a heart belief and a head belief. A heart belief is that you're trusting the Lord with your heart, with your life, so that when you trust him with your life, you're saying, okay, I'm going to put my life in the hands of the Lord. It's not going to be my works that's going to get me into heaven. It's going to be the work that he did on the cross for me and his resurrection." That is taking God at his word, and that was the essence of this sermon that Jesus preached. Now, again, I'm just the messenger. I've just delivered unto you the message that he preached. But let me close with this one verse. He says in uh, two verses, Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31. Verse 30 says, the times of this ignorance, God winked at. In other words, it is ignorant to try another way to go to heaven besides what he says. Okay. But now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. How? By that man whom he hath ordained. Who is that? Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. That's Jesus Christ. The only way. Now, folks, I want to close with this question. Are you 100% sure that if you died today that heaven's your home?